This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Yes, you are, folks. All right, let's continue with this article, because we're getting somewhere, folks. We're starting to put the pieces together. Part of this is to help you figure out how to do research uh, on your own. And I'm always open to sharing the research that you send me as I've been sharing some of the articles that uh, our friends over on Twitter and pain.tv have been tracking. So feel free to send me stuff and I will definitely use it in the show if it fits in. Uh, This is a community and we are going to build this together, folks, and put all this information together so that we can eventually be able to share this with our friends and family and warn them about what's coming and come up with solutions together on how to avoid as much of this as you choose that you want to. Again, we're all going to have um, different plans and different goals, and so we're willing to tolerate this um, to a certain extent at different levels. In the end, you make up your mind for how you want to live within the coming technocracy. Let's get into this section, a bathtub of ice, okay? As the cherry orchards south of San Francisco were uprooted and replaced with Silicon Valley, Robert Ettinger, a World War II veteran wounded in Germany, was looking to channel his dissatisfaction with the human body into something radical. So now we've got a new player here, folks. Robert Ettinger, World War II veteran wounded in Germany, and his dissatisfaction with the human body. Uh, Ettinger became a physics professor and devised America's first science experiment with immortality, cryonics. So he is the man behind cryonics. In The Prospect of Immortality, published in 1962, Ettinger suggested that if a body were frozen shortly after death, future technologies would be able to revive the recently deceased. I don't know if they're going to talk about Disney, but when I was a kid, I heard that Walt Disney did this. I don't know if it was like an old version of fake news or what, but I heard that Disney did this. And Disney was uh, buddies with Werner von Braun, who was the head of NASA. And von Braun was one of these Operation Paperclip Nazis 
who was brought back here after World War II, and then he would appear Sunday nights on the world of Walt Disney with Walt Disney to push and promote NASA. I don't think anyone at the time knew that he was a uh, Nazi scientist, but we'll get into that in future episodes. Let's continue here. There are fewer than 200 frozen cadavers in storage today. This is back in 2009, remember. Most of them at the Scottsdale-based is this Alcor Life Extension Foundation. In recent years, however, the membership roles of Alcor have been rising. Today, more than 800 members are signed up to be frozen in the future. Thanks in large part to a surge in membership from Silicon Valley. Okay, so back in 2008, 2009, yeah, 07-09, this article was written. You had over 800 members signed up to have their bodies frozen. Does it go to show you what Silicon Valley was up to back then? This is uh, almost 15 years ago, folks. This has been going on for a long time. This stuff is not new. At every transhumanist gathering in the area, one notices dozens of men and women wearing silver pendants around their wrists, Alcor bracelets, each engraved with a number to call in the event of death and instructions to put the deceased in a bathtub of ice ASAP. Guys, this is a real article. Okay, so you're going back 15 years You've got this Alcor Life Extension Foundation. Over 800 members at the time from Silicon Valley mainly were signed up to have their bodies frozen. And these guys wore these Alcor bracelet wristbands. So if they died, it had instructions to put the deceased in a bathtub of ice. Now, this won't get into this here, but Jack Dorsey, who was running Twitter had said on Joe Rogan, the guy who normalizes this stuff, that he lays in a bathtub of ice for like two or three hours a day to keep his like nervous system calm. So maybe it ties back to this, but no one was asking the right questions because articles like this have become buried over the years. Let's continue. Among transhumanists, Ettinger is celebrated not only for inventing cryonics, but also for penning man into Superman. After immortality comes transhumanity, a 1972 tract that reinserted transhumanism into the lexicon. And we'll get into that, folks. Wow. In it, Ettinger suggested that instead of relying on cryonics to revive the dead, forthcoming technologies might make death obsolete, which we've covered all of that right here at the Dust and Gold Standard. Ettinger's book didn't start a revolution. Nonetheless, he gained a sufficiently robust following that the word transhumanism stuck around. It was bandied about here and there for a decade and finally received the proper hearing in the early 1980s in Los Angeles. I think this is where we're going to get into sort of the first gathering that the other author talked about in the Silicon Valley death pill article or suicide pill. It was at this point an eccentric, red-haired Englishman named Max O'Connor immigrated to America and changed his last name to Moore. Uh, that's with uh, one O, not like Mike Moore. Uh, in parentheses, quote, a constant reminder to keep moving forward, end quote. 
Moore, an Oxford-educated philosopher, settled in Los Angeles and set about starting a movement. He coined the term extropy, the opposite of entropy. So extropy, okay, extropy, opposite of entropy, in parentheses, which more defined as the tendency for moving objects to slow down. Extropy was the tendency for things to speed up, things like technology. Indeed, Max Moore's extropy was a lot like Gordon Moore's law. Gordon Moore with two O's like Mike Moore over there at the Thomas Paine podcast. Now, there was an illustration here, but it's omitted because I told you that this article was reposted. The original article cannot be found. It, the, the links are all dead. It says more, and this is the more with one O, right? So this would be Max O'Connor, now Max Moore, founded the Extropy Institute to promote his idea. Institute conferences in the Bay Area attracted hundreds. In 1990, Moore picked up on Ettinger and wrote an essay titled Transhumanism Toward a Futurist Philosophy. He published Extropy, the Journal of Transhumanist Thought. Soon after, his extropians began calling themselves transhumanists. See, this is where this all comes from, folks. This is sort of the beginnings of the movement in which we're living through today. This is uh, all tied into the Neuralink brain chip, tied into uh, Dennis Bushnell at NASA, tied into AI Foundation and Lars Butler and the mind twinning software. It all connects here, folks. Peter Thiel is deeply entrenched in this. We're going to get into him shortly. The journal and eventually the Extropy Institute's email listserv became salons for the exchange of futuristic ideas. Okay, so salons, it's like a gathering of people to share ideas. Normally, you'd sit around in rich people's uh, living rooms and talk about ideas and such. Moore's followers were online before most people had heard of the internet. They were also signing up to be frozen with Alcor. The future looked good. Quote, early on, transhumanism was very biased towards the positive, end quote. Moore, 43 at the time, said from his home in Austin, Texas, where he now lives. Austin, Texas, back in 2009, right? Now, what has Austin, Texas become? Sort of this second Silicon Valley hub where Elon Musk has opened offices where Joe Rogan moved his show. You see how it all ties in, folks? It's like the Texas Silicon Valley. Quote, it was focused on the benefits of new technology. That was very important back then because no one was taking these ideas very seriously, end quote, Moore said. <clears throat> With the Extropy Institute, Moore gave the futurists in Silicon Valley something to rally around. You see, the futurists, as Ray Kurzweil and others are called, or Yuval Noah Harari, and I told you, they are not futurists. They're not predicting the future if they are the ones who are actively engineering, architecting, and building the very technology that they are claiming and uh, that they are a prophet for predicting is coming. They're actually building it. So it says, more gave their work, meaning the futurists, a meaning greater than new products and greater profits. By attaching moral priorities like living forever to technology's progress, more gave transhumanists a shared dream they could support. 
right? So they're all now rallied behind him around this idea of immortality, this thirst for eternal life. But the Extropy Institute did not speed up. It lost momentum. As the internet went mainstream, counterculture gave way to pop culture. Futurism gave way to materialism. As startup parties raged, participation in the Extropy Institute waned. Discouraged by the demise of the movement's original optimism, Moore distanced himself from transhumanism. The Extropy Institute went into hibernation, finally closing its doors around the time the internet bubble burst. By this point, however, transhumanism was beyond Moore's control. A loose-knit group kept the discussions going in chat rooms and on blogs. Some were interested in cryonics. Many promoted the fusion of man and machine. That's transhumanism. Still others envisioned post-national utopias. Moore was the charismatic leader who rallied disparate futurists to a common cause. But he was not essential to his own movement. Today, transhumanism lives on, mutating into the minds of its adherents. Ladies and gentlemen, are you starting to finally get a grasp for where these concepts come from, where this ideology comes from, where this movement towards the merger of man and machine comes from? As we will see shortly, People like Elon Musk, people like Peter Thiel, who we've gotten into, were 100% influenced by this technology, by this ideology, by this way of thinking. Folks, when I go to a break, I want you to think in depth about this. Would you freeze your body so that you could come back in the future and live forever? Well, you might not need to. Because now you'll just upload your consciousness to the AI hive mind neocortex and beam it down into a non-biological Iron Man suit. That is how they got around the ice bath and the freezer locker. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back from the break. I have emerged from the freezer locker and I am ready to be brought back to life. My name is Dustin Gold and you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right back into this article. We are now on the section redesigning the human body in a dark exhibition hall at the Tech Museum in San Jose. Kanita Watson sat in a mobility scooter, the type usually employed by senior citizens, and pondering a standing skinned corpse. All dried red muscle and creamy ligament, the body on display glowed under a spotlight. It was part of Body Worlds 1, a traveling exhibition of skinned and preserved cadavers. I'm sure many of you have actually seen this. 
Uh, I used to think it was weird. They had these kind of floating around even back to when I think I was in college. I went to school for industrial design. So I was in and around uh, art and design. And so I believe I actually went to one of these exhibits. Kind of freaky. But let's see what this author has to say about it. Let's continue. Watson, a retired user interface uh, interface designer for Sun Microsystems, was visiting the tech museum with a few fellow transhumanists. Leaning in from her seat on the scooter, Watson considered the body of a man afflicted with hexa... What is this? Hexadectalism. The mutation that creates six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. So apparently hexadectalism is uh, some kind of a disease that turns you into a cartoon. (laughs) Put six fingers and six toes on your hand and foot. Hexadectalism. You learn something new every day. Uh, Folks, she stretched out her arm spread her hand and said, quote, I can imagine an arrangement where six would work just fine, end quote. To Watson, a malformed hand was not a disability, but an opportunity. Nearby, another transhumanist named Andy Rondu powered, you know, there's a lot of politicians out there, folks. A lot of politicians who would probably benefit from having six fingers in one hand. They give a better squeeze, you know what I'm saying? Imagine Joe Biden sniffing your hair and just running those six fingers up each side of your neck, folks. That would be fantastic, would it not? I, I, I bet they give one hell of a great massage. <laughs> wow, that was a great massage. Felt like he had six fingers. Oh, yeah? He did. He's a hexadectalist. <laughs> Nearby, another transhumanist named Andy Rondu pondered a specimen whose abdominal muscles had been peeled back to reveal the large intestine and stomach. Rondu, a young programmer, bulky enough to play professional football, said, quote, I'm waiting for the day when the artificial limbs become better than the real limbs, end quote. Oh, yes, because there's nothing better than a real limb except for having a metal limb hanging off my body. I can't wait for that. Together, Watson and Rondu came upon a case containing a preserved brain. Disembodied, the brain was stuck on a metal stake, spinning like a rotisserie lamb. I love that image. And then uh, Hannibal Lecter came out and said he would eat that lamb with a side of... A side of fava beans, a bottle of candy. Ah, oh, yes, Clarice. Quote, the gap between the frontal lobes and Einstein's brain was closed, end quote. Rondu mused, quote, there were synopses going on, uh, going from right to left lobes, end quote. Watson perked up from her seat in the scooter, quote, she... Uh, so he was a mutant, end quote. Maybe he would engineer the closed gap in our brains, then we would gain intelligence, end quote. I don't know. A lot of these people, if these people are real in this article, it's like people want to believe that the mad scientists, the engineers, the Frankenstein doctors, the technocrats, and the transhumanists, these hackers, these pirates, these thieves, these criminals, these hijackers, like are our friends, and they really want to help humans 
get better. They think Elon Musk is going to cure their grandmother's Alzheimer's and her paralysis. And they wake up every day to serve humanity when in fact they're doing nothing more than engineering you away from humanity, turning you into a robot, into a cyborg. It continues to say transhumanists see the body as a machine, the brain as a computer. These are seductive metaphors, especially for computer engineers. They imply that with the right tools, we might be able to fix, improve, and upgrade ourselves. Again, pulling into the pit stop at NASCAR and getting a tune-up. It continues, and if transhumanists have their way, the specimens in that exhibition will soon be outdated models of the human body. The optimistic vision is the direct intellectual descendant of Moore's law. With computers improving exponentially, why not expect something similar of medical technology? It's also in line with the palpable optimism around Silicon Valley today, back in 2009. As new money flooded the area during the most recent bubble, companies and individuals were looking for solutions to the world's ills. People want to stop climate change, feed the hungry, and end global poverty. Okay, so back in 2009, this narrative was out there, stopping climate change, feeding the hungry, and ending global poverty. But remember, the same people that are behind this life extension, this quest and thirst for immortality. They are the same people who also talk about overpopulation and then a plan to depopulate. So the question is, are they going to give everyone life extension and then create what would be mass overpopulation, but they think they can fix climate change and feed the hungry and end global poverty utilizing all of this technocratic prison planet technology or are they trying to use the narrative of climate change and feeding the hungry and global poverty to tug at the heartstrings of generally good-natured humans to get the approval to build the technology which they will then give to themselves to quench their thirst for immortality while they will depopulate the majority of the rest of humanity and possibly enslave the ones that they choose who are going to be allowed to live for whatever reason. And as I have given my opinion and we'll get into in future shows, I believe humans will serve the purpose of being essentially batteries to power the AI hive mind as well as DNA-based storage drives for the big data needed to run the AI hive mind. Let's continue. Meanwhile, the transhumanists of the valley have honed in on their own set of problems to solve. And they are supported by ambitious multimillionaires like Peter Thiel. I told you we would get to Thiel. That's where I came across this article, but the article has a lot more value than just Peter Thiel. But back in 2009, this author writing an article in the futurists all about the history of the transhumanist movement and at the time the modern ideology connects peter thiel as one of the ambitious multimillionaires behind the transhumanist movement so back in 2009 remember let's put this in context 
uh, this is where this sort of mini biography of Thiel comes in. A co-founder and former CEO of PayPal, Thiel cashed out in 2002 with $55 million. Today at 40, Thiel runs Clarium Capital, a $2 billion San Francisco hedge fund that had been garnering good returns. He was an early investor in Facebook and is known throughout the Valley as a trendsetter. But not all of Thiel's personal investments are made solely to maximize financial gain. Thiel is transhumanism's most generous supporter. He has invented, uh, he has invested, I apologize, more than $4 million of his own money in groups working towards immortality, and he regularly speaks at transhumanist gatherings. Remember, there was a reason why when we started to introduce Thiel to you, I showed you the video of him speaking at the Singularity Conference. And I showed you the money he was putting behind the Singularity Institute. Because I wanted you to see back in 06, 07, 08, 09, he was involved with this game uh, very early on. Quote, Silicon Valley is in the business of the future, quote, Thiel told the author. Quote, this is a logical extension of the technology industry. End quote. Now, let's move to the next section here, Silicon Valley, the galactic center of transhumanism. The transhumanist movement boasts devotees in countries from England to Japan to Venezuela, but more and more transhumanist cheerleaders are relocating to Silicon Valley. Again, this is in 2009. Besides the World Transhumanist Association, there is the Foresight Nanotech Institute in Menlo Park, which sponsored the Yahoo conference. The Singularity Institute for Artificial Intelligence, based in Palo Alto, hosts lavish conferences that attract tech luminaries and transhumanists alike. Remember, Singularity Institute for Artificial Intelligence, that's what Thiel was funding. Okay. The Methusela Foundation, I don't know how to pronounce that, a research group working to extend biological life. It is named for the oldest man in the Bible has an office in Menlo Park. In San Francisco, the Immortality Institute advocates for indefinite life extension technologies, while a humanist group, transhumanist group called the Lifeboat Foundation works to alert the public about existential risks, everything from nuclear war and global warming to the unintended consequences of uh, transhumanism itself. Sorry, guys, this is all a giant tongue twister here. I need a brain chip to get through this. Reflecting on Silicon Valley, Kenita Watson, that was the woman in the wheelchair, said, quote, this is the galactic center of transhumanism, end quote. These groups together with the various meetups at apartments, pizzerias, coffee shops, and museums make a rich social network for transhumanists of the Bay Area. Nearly every week there is a new field trip, lecture, or conference that attracts them in swarms. The movement has legs, too. Robotic legs? Or just regular ones. I guess regular ones. There is perhaps no better place on Earth for recruiting new transhumanists. Between Stanford, Google, Facebook, and the hundreds of other computer companies in the area, Silicon Valley has an always fresh supply of young, tech-savvy workers looking to change the world. Folks, this is back in 2009. Imagine what it's become now. We just went through 
all these different companies, all these different players, all these different names, all these different groups, and talking about how all these computer geeks, all these nerds, all these engineers, all these computer scientists and IT guys gladly embrace the idea of transhumanism, gladly embrace the concepts of merging man with machine. Folks, it's all right there, all in Silicon Valley, and we are going to find out if there is Operation Paperclip players that were behind the building up of Silicon Valley, we know that there's CIA and government money flowing in there constantly. When I return, we will delve deeper into this article. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 